Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Welcome back to another episode of The Lucrative Society. I cannot wait for this conversation today because I am joined by a new friend of mine named John Carter. John is the founder of Simpler Trading, so clearly big time in that financial realm, but we're going to talk about all kinds of things, both money and not money, related to making a lucrative life. So John Carter, thank you so much for joining me. Mindy, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited and intrigued and uh, raring to go here. <laughs> Sweet. That is exactly what I want for the beginning of this show. So to get started, I would love to have you give our listener a little bit of the overview of your career trajectory. You're involved with tons of different things. And if you could just kind of give like broad brushstrokes, that would be awesome. Sure. So a very short version. Uh, I remember being a senior in high school and I had spent my entire summer working at the mall at a cookie company and I was making $4.25 an hour. And at the end of three months of working, I'd, I'd had about $1,000. I remember coming home. And I didn't really think about it. It was just like, that was life. You know, you work in an exchange, you get $4.25, right? And I came home and my, my stepfather and his friends were sitting around a table and they had a newspaper out. And I heard something about, yeah, and if we do this right, we could double our money. And that captured my attention. And what they were talking about was uh, purchasing what's called call options on a stock, which is basically just a cheaper way to play a stock movement. And I was intrigued. And the short version of this is I gave them my $1,000. They put the trade on. And a couple of weeks later, the guy came back, one of his friends did it, and said, here's your original $1,000 plus another $800. The trade worked. Woo! And my mind was blown at that point because I didn't really equate to the idea of either A, using money to make money, or B, using your brain to make money. And so, so from there, I did this trajectory where all through college and my first five years out of college, uh, I was working in the corporate world. And during that whole time, I was trying to learn how to trade consistently. And I had a couple of ups and downs. I blew up three accounts. At one point, I was within a hair's breadth of being able to quit my job and trade full time. And I was trying to you know, get this down, a down payment for a house my wife and I were trying to buy at the time. And I blew up my entire account trying to get that. And I ended up maxing out credit cards so we could actually get the house because I didn't tell her. her, name, her my wife's name is Maria. And she didn't even actually find out about it until 10 years later because I was what? so ashamed. I was talking about it at a talk I was giving and she was in the audience and like people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're so supportive of your husband. And she's like, I don't know what he's talking about. So, um, so that, was, that was interesting. So, um, <laughs> and eventually I ended up getting to the point where I, I learned, it was a little, it was a lot of psychology. I learned how to, I, I had to learn how to master, I had to master myself and learn, you know, there's a saying like, this is your brain and this is your brain on drugs and in trading and investing, it's this is your brain and this is your brain while in a trade. And you have to understand what it's supposed to look like. Otherwise you just get manipulated. Um, the other thing I learned is that any past trauma that you're storing and that you have not released or worked out, it's going to work itself out while you're trading and it's not going to be pretty. And it's just a, it's a long road, but you got to understand all that stuff or all that unresolved trauma is going to work its way out in investment losses. And it's, you know, it's a horrible thing, especially if you don't understand what's happening. So then I ended up quitting my job 
and I was trading full time. And of course this was years later and I loved it, but I got lonely after a while and I was just by myself. And so I just started posting online and this is back in like 2005 and eventually started a site and went through a couple of renditions, a couple of business partners because I had to learn how to be an entrepreneur and a businessman as well. And you know, a lot of pain and suffering there. And now uh, just recently, about a year and a half ago, I stepped down as CEO and after years of looking for the right person, found a, per found a CEO who could come in and basically take over the company, well, I could just go back to trading. And we've got like 60 employees and it's, it's been great. And so it's been a, that's the short version of a very long journey, but that's kind of the main, you know, the main things that I've been involved in and some other, you know, a couple other side businesses as well. I want to ask you about that decision that you made to not be CEO, because I know that there's a lot of stuff that gets wrapped up in that for all of us. You know, my husband, Sean, he spoke at your event. When he and I combined companies, there was a lot of discussion about, well, who's going to be the CEO? You know, who's going to mm -hmm. be the decision maker? Who's going to run this stuff? And we ultimately decided it would be me. But I know that there would be so many just things that come up around that. Can you talk a little bit about your decision process in that? Sure. So definitely a lot of ego tied up into being CEO. You know, that's kind of like, yes, it's, you know, I'm CEO of my own company and that's kind of a, you know, it's a big deal. Um, and it took me a couple of years to realize that it was very limiting. And if, uh, meaning that I could be spending my day um, micromanaging and following up on people and processes or I could focus on, you know, my own unique ability, which is not managing people. So my unique ability is more being able to kind of go through a journey like trading and then really slice it and dice it and be able to kind of relate to and train other people on how to do that. That's something that I can do probably better than 99.9% .9 of people on the planet just because it's a unique path that I've taken. And once I realized that, then being CEO was just, that was either, it was A, it was ego, and B, it was taking away from my biggest way that I could contribute to the company. And that was just kind of really focusing on trading. And so once I realized that, the next step was finding the right person. And I think I went through probably three, even four candidates. And they, they were never put into CEO positions. They would be put into other C-level positions just to see how they did. Um, you know, one person was good, but they treated the team poorly, so they weren't going to make it. Other people that just didn't understand the business, they just didn't have the heart. You know, they had the head part right, but not the heart part. And so when I finally found uh, someone, her name is Brittany, Brittany Burns. And uh, I, I mean, honestly, I just lucked out. It was, you know, just she happened, happened to come across her and just started to understand and recognize her skill sets. And it was really interesting as the first couple of months, it was really strange because she stepped in, you know, she made it very clear. She's like, look, I want to be able to do this and not have you interfere. And I was like, no, you're, don't worry. <laughs> right, um, don't mess this up, John. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I was, the, I was the one who was going to mess it up and, and she recognized that. And I said, you know, and I just, once I got to the point where I was like, I fully understood that she knew what she was doing and she cared. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you won't ever hear from me again unless you want to. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great, but it was a very, it was a very real character building journey in terms of understanding like what I was good at and releasing, you know, what I wasn't good at and kind of setting aside my ego. It took me a couple months after I stepped down to kind of, you know, like, who am I? And you know, all that kind of stuff, but it's, yeah, it's way better. <laughs> 
I love that. And such an important message too about unique ability and just honing in on your own strengths and doing that. So shifting gears a little bit, and I'm really, really interested in what you're going to respond to this because you're in, <laughs> you're in the, the money world, you're in the wealth world, the financial world. How do you define wealth? Oh boy. So it's a, it's a really good question. And of course my answer today is different than it would have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So wealth is what I've found. It really comes down to freedom. And if you've got, I mean, I know friends that are incredibly wealthy and they have zero freedom. You know, there's a saying that you want to be careful that what you own doesn't own you. And that really stuck with me. And so uh, to me, I just look at it as wealth is, I mean, a part of it is financial. You can't have, for me, I can't have true freedom without some means to do it. And yes, technically you could, um, you know, I know people that have, uh, it's, it's called lean fire, the lean fire movement, where it's the, you know, it's just live on minimal amounts and you're in a, in a, in a square, you know, small apartment and you're financially free because you don't have a lot of things. That's not, that's not my goal. My goal is to be able to have a lot of, you know, things that you can enjoy and stuff like that. But um, it's done in a way where it's not a struggle and it's not, um, you know, it's not, you're not, you know, you don't have a bunch of things that you're now a slave to, you know, in terms of making sure that you can keep them. And so it's, you know, it is that kind of a thing of, yeah, you want to have, it's like an, a, an abundance of cash coming in, but also getting your desires in check. And, you know, there's that phase that I think every entrepreneur goes through, or at least I did. And a lot of entrepreneurs I've seen or business people, when you get that first taste of additional money above and beyond what you were used to, it's like, wow, I need to go you know, get the stupid car and get the stupid house and all this kind of stuff. And then you get it. It's like, wow, this really isn't that great. So it's just kind of understanding like, what is, you know, what is it that, what is it that makes you happy and you free and screw the neighbors? You know, you don't need to impress the Joneses or anything like that. Yeah. So I want to dig into something specific about what you personally enjoy. This was actually the catalyst for me reaching out to you in the first place because I see this post on social media <laughs> and, and just let's let's set the stage for the listener. You you're an American guy. Yes. Who lives in Texas, right? Right. Okay, so in Texas and you have this post with photos online about zebras escaping from your farm. <laughs> And I'm like, what in the heck is going on over there? So can we talk a little bit about zebras? Like what, what do you have going on? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I you know, it's one of those things sometimes I, I've learned to trust my intuition over the years. So, so what happened with this is that we did, so we live outside of Austin, a place called Wimberley. It's great. And, you know, we got, um, you know, enough land where we can have horses and cows and, and things like that. And uh, my wife and I have taken our kids to Africa four times, uh, South Africa and Kenya, and we loved it. I mean, just fell in love with the place. And we just always remember being able to sit on the deck of, our, of the place we were at, and there'd be zebras and wildebeests and things like that. And it was just always so amazing. And um, Africa and Texas are very similar. Like the landscape is similar, at least in the hill country where I am. And I started looking online one day, and my wife's birthday was coming up. And I saw that you could actually buy zebras and wildebeest and things like that in Texas. There's like these huge ranches in Texas that breed them and sell them. And I was like, 
wow, how amazing is that? And so one night online, I ordered three zebras, <laughs> literally like add to cart, um, a male zebra and two females, and then a male orcs and two females, a male wildebeest and two females. And then just for good measure, I threw in a bison and two females, a male bison and two females. And, you know, I hit submit, got a call the next day. And so then over the next couple of weeks, these trucks and trailers started pulling up and the zebras were the first ones to come. So they open up the door, the zebras go racing out. Well, what the guy didn't tell me is that you got to have, I mean, I asked him, but you know, he was a good salesman. He's like, no, that'll be all right. We don't have the right fencing. So you got to have what's called high game fence. And we've just got regular four foot fence. So the zebras were startled. They ran out and just basically hopped the first fence, kept on going, hopped the next fence. And I just didn't see him again for three weeks. And I just, I literally thought they were running to Africa. I was like, wow, that was, you know, I mean, they weren't that cheap, but they were just gone. So, and uh, so we were sitting there and, uh, you know, I got some drones and stuff like that. I was trying to find them. I'm like flying over the city looking for my zebras. It was a really odd time because my to-do list was things like, you know, buy calls on Netflix for a run into earnings, find zebras. And so, I, you know, that was, that was my to-do list for a couple of weeks. And um, I found them on a neighbor's ranch a couple miles away. And what we did is I talked to all the neighbors and we opened up all the gates in between our property and theirs. And one day, about a month later, the zebras showed up back on our place and there they were. And so we were able to shut the gates and, you know, and now we're, of course, now we're getting some high fence installed and stuff like that. And, but now literally we wake up in the morning and go out on the deck and we can see wildebeest and we can see zebras and they're a very poor investment and they're going to cost money, but it's amazing. It's a great way to start the day. <laughs> Not only is it amazing to be able to wake up and see zebra and wildebeest in your own yard in Texas, but that's such an amazing story. I love that because it's like all these things that we, it kind of relates to me to being an entrepreneur. Like you don't know what you don't know until you realize like you've screwed it up and then it's like, oh, we actually need this other kind of fence or, oh, I should have done this other <laughs> thing. Right. Well, you know, and a lesson I've learned from it too, and I think, you know, I think every, as an entrepreneur, you kind of learn this too, is that I much prefer ready, fire, aim, because if you do ready, aim, fire, a lot of times you'll never do it. So if I had sat there and said, oh my gosh, you know, we need to get high fence, we need to do this, A, I wouldn't have zebras yet, and B, I probably never would have bought them. And so, I, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, it was... It was a comedy of errors times 10. But, I, you know, when you see something like that, I think that's only the way to do it. Otherwise, it won't happen. So it was, it's been a fascinating process to be sure. I, I love that. And, you know, we can only say that because we are entrepreneurs. Like we have that risk ability. I think a lot of other people would be like, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've heard that. Yes. <laughs> yes, I guess me too. So... Everybody on this show goes through the same framework question, which is called ERB. It's an acronym and it stands for habits first off. So I would love to hear some of your habits. How do you, like, what do you do to stay high energy? What do you do to stay at a successful pace? What do you do either on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis to keep it going? So it's a good question. And something as I get older, I'm certainly more conscious of it. Um, I'm a huge fan of exercise, uh, strength training with weights specifically. I just, to me, it's just, it's, uh, it's almost like a meditation and it calms me down. And 
I've read something, especially once you get over age about 40, that, you know, your body just starts to deteriorate if you don't really work it hard about an hour a day. And so, you know, just the idea of, you know, lifting heavy weights off the floor is something that I've found, you know, it's energizing and, and for a couple of days. Um, I'm also a big fan of, I've, I try to do some meditation. I'm not, it's hard for me to sit and do meditation, but I like, I'll do walking meditations where I can just kind of walk and clear my head and really just kind of, you know, almost, almost just try to be open to like, okay, whatever, whatever messages the universe has today. And then the other thing I found that's super helpful to be energized is I'm very conscious of any kind of negative emotions that come up and just fully letting them flow through my body and just letting them go. So any anger, frustration, shame, whatever. And so I don't know why sometimes it comes up, but if I feel it, I don't try to, I used to try to, you know, repress it and control it. Now I just, you know, let it flow out. And when I do that, it feels like, um, it's like a constant re-energizing, just dropping that luggage, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm very conscious about that. And then uh, I'm a big fan of when I'm working during the day, I listen to certain kinds of music. So, um, you know, kind of like binaural beats or something that has that, you know, that monotone that, you know, alpha waves and focuses like that. And I just find that it really, I don't really understand how it works, but I think what it does is it quiets your reptilian brain. You know, your reptilian brain's always almost always looking for danger food and a potential mate. And it's like, you know, most of the time I don't really, not really in danger. Um, I can go to the kitchen for food and I'm, you know, I've already got a wife. So it's like, I'm good. So if I can turn that part of my brain down, it allows other parts of it to, you know, focus. And so I found that that's a, that's pretty important as well. Nice. The next part of this framework in herb H E R B. So E stands for environment. What do you do to keep things in or out of your environment? What kind of environment works best for you to just maintain a high pace, high level success? What, what does your environment look like? It's been a little uh, since I've been kind of gravitating from my office to home. It's been, you know, I, I kind of was before I'd go back and forth. But so I'm in the process of kind of still establishing uh, my home office, but I'm very big. I'm completely fine with my kids coming in during the day. Uh, Maria, they can kind of come in while I'm working and stuff like that. And, and that's fine. But I do really try to keep boundaries up for other people. Like if I'm, if I know I'm working, you know, from eight to four, I'm going to be, you know, either looking at the market or doing this or working on this. Um, I'm very strict about, you know, I won't take phone calls you know, I, I don't think I've ever answered the phone, if, especially if I don't know who it is, but it's more, you know, I'm just kind of scheduling like, hey, yeah, I want to talk easy to get into reaction mode. You know, you get that dopamine hit of answering the email or checking Facebook. And so I'm very conscious about just making sure it's just, you know, kind of keeping boundaries and, and focusing on my work for the day, so to speak. And do you work every weekday with like as the markets are open or how does your workday work? Yeah. So with the market, so, so our, the, what we do with the markets is a couple of things. One, um, I, I, every day I'm still fascinated by them, but a lot of the stuff we do is kind of, uh, it's in the options market, our average trades last a couple of days. So, you know, we may get into something on Tuesday and we're getting out of it on Thursday and Friday. So I'm doing my own trades, but at the same time we've got, you know, a couple of thousand, thousands of people who we send alerts to. And so they rely on and it's, and it's not just me. There's a group of ten of us that are that are traders, but 
So during the day, we're actually looking for opportunities. And a lot of times it's kind of, you know, sometimes it might be the opposite of, you know, what's happening in the news, or it could be as simple as, hey, Tesla has earnings coming up. This is what we're going to do. And so it's for, you know, our, our client base are people who are, you know, active traders who, you know, they have, they have the bug and they want to, you know, they want to be able to look at this and kind of have some control over what they're doing. And, or we'll have people that are dentists and lawyers and doctors and they have their practice. They're just kind of a little bored. They're like, they want a little, you know, they don't necessarily need the income. So we kind of save them from themselves. I'm just like, look, just instead of chasing the next hot thing, we have technical signals that we can send you, you know, iOS, Android, and then just kind of take it that way. And so that's, uh, that's something I feel a very, uh, a huge responsibility for is making sure that they're getting information and I'll do it as long as I enjoy it. And it, it is something that I enjoy. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. So the R in the herb framework stands for resources and resources okay. can be either books, courses, mentors, whatever, but what kind of resources have really benefited you in your career and also that you would recommend to others? It's a combination, I would say, of books and probably mastermind groups. So, you know, I've been part of things like Joe Polish's Genius Network, um, Dan Sullivan's Strategic Coach, and then I'm also in uh, EO and YPO. And for anybody who's an entrepreneur, if you have not heard of the Entrepreneurs Organization, I, to me, it's a must. I, when I, I, met a, I met an entrepreneur who, once he learned that I was not, he had built up a company and sold it. And he real, when he realized that I wasn't in EO, he would sat me down and like grab me by the collar and is like, you have to sign up for EO and join a forum. I was like, okay. And I really didn't understand it and I didn't get it at first. But um, for anybody that's an EO or YPO, the forum is it becomes a very tight knit group of people that you share your you know deepest and darkest secrets and fears with and it's a it's a structure and a framework to really get you through anything and i would say that that's been amazing um for books um probably gosh the most impact impactful book i've read recently over the last couple of years has been a book called letting go by david hawkins yes and yeah isn't that amazing yeah it's just so so amazing. Um, and for anybody that's going the entrepreneurship route, there's a, my favorite book and it's a crass title, but it's called how to get rich by Felix Dennis. And he's the billionaire founder of Maxim. And this guy, he's, he's a, his attitude is very, uh, you know, if you can, you kind of have to set his attitude aside, but he's kind of like a billionaire poet. And he just tells you, the practical head, hands-on advice that's, you know, it's, it's probably more straight on than anything else I've ever read. And that's been huge. And there's a lot of other good resources. Those are the ones that come to mind. Okay. First off, I have to say thank you because most of the time when I ask this question, like I'm a huge reader, I, I devour books. And most of the time I'm like, yep, awesome book. Yep. Awesome book. Because I've read them. I have not read that Felix book. So I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Over well, you know what's interesting is probably in my favorite book, and I've read this book ten times, but it's a fiction book, and it's Shogun by James Covell. Ah, uh, yeah. And so, and in that book, and it's like twelve hundred pages, and so the first time, and it takes about to page three hundred before it really starts picking up. But that book has a life philosophy, a business philosophy, how to strategize. Um, you know, and I, every time I read it, you know, I get I get more out of it. But that's that's one that's probably been you know, top five favorite books 
uh, for sure. Okay, so let me ask you, have you read the book Shibumi? So it's funny, no, it's funny, when I, I posted that recently and is, uh, I had a couple of people recommend that. So I literally downloaded that last week to my Kindle. Nice. Yeah, that when you were talking about Shogun, that kind of reminded me of Shibumi. It's a great book. It's a novel. Let me know what you think of it after you read awesome. it. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So, Fantastic. yeah, rounding out the herb framework with B, B stands for beliefs. And I okay. am really interested in this from you because you said you had to go through the mindset stuff, you know, get that kind of cleaned up for you to have the success that you have had. But what are some of the core beliefs that make you who you are? It's a good question because it's an intriguing question too, because that, of course, it can change over time. And I know, you know, 20 years ago, it was always more having a vision of, you know, say a, an amount of money, you know, like, okay, $20 million. And I just want to keep that in my mind and do things that create, you know, create that. And as I've gotten older, it's become a much more layered about, what our role is here, you know, on this, this limited amount of time that we're sitting here in this human body. So it's a much more, uh, in terms of beliefs, kind of a, probably a much more spiritual experience now where it's kind of, it's, uh, it's the idea of, you know, we're here for a finite amount of time and are we kind of expanding our consciousness and our ideas of what we're capable of? And that includes, you know, being aware of and letting go of pain and frustration and anger and becoming more open to things like, you know, um, you know, whether it's love and whether it's joy. And, and it's funny because when I say that, you know, it's just like, oh, that sounds kind of, you know, uh, touchy feely and stuff like that. But it's the best thing I've ever heard is be kind and take no shit. And it really is something where it's like, you know, be kind with the people who are around you. But man, someone crosses, you know, you've got your boundaries and you, you fiercely defend those boundaries because other people have their own crap that they're dealing with. And they don't know that a lot of times they're unconsciously projecting it onto you. It's not their fault, but you can't let that interfere with your journey. And so it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very, it's one of those, it's very compassionate, kind, strict boundaries. And, you know, let's make the most of this finite time that we have on the planet. I could not love that more. I actually found a little card that said that be kind and take no shit <laughs> a long time yeah. years ago. And I posted on my Instagram. I'm like, this is exactly how I live. Like, this is what I want it to be. So John, this has been fantastic. And I am excited to have gotten to know you a little bit better. If our listeners are also interested in checking out what you're up to and, you know, maybe wanting to work with you, where would you like to send them? Sure. So if anybody is interested in trading, and I, and I think that that's a, I mean, honestly, it's a, it'd be a, it's a, it's one of those things that if you have the trading bug, you know it, you know, if you're more like, well, I just, I'm interested in my investments. That's a, there's, that's a different, you know, path, but you know, my main, my website there is simpler trading. So just simplertrading.com. And then on Twitter, I'm just at John, uh, John F. Carter. Perfect. Awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes and transcript on lucro.com. So if the listeners are interested, they can access all of that information and check out what you are up to. John, I'm just super grateful. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your thoughts in this conversation. I'm really appreciative. Oh, and this was awesome. Thanks for reaching out. This has been great just to be able to hey, you know, get to know you and get a new friend out of this. Thanks so much for listening. 
Make sure to subscribe to the Lucrative Society on iTunes, and please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources, or to become a member of the Lucrative Society, where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.